I feel his pleasure. To give it up would be to hold him in contempt. You were right. It's not just fun. To win is to honor him. All right. Hopefully you can hear that. That it's a great classic, right? Can we call it a classic? Can we call it a 1981 movie a classic? Can we can we do that? Um, man, what a great movie. And what a great story. I hope you could hear it with the accent and everything. But um, Eric Little says this, and there's so many great sayings in the, the movie, but he, but he says this, the man playing Eric Little. He says, when I run, I feel God's pleasure. What a huge statement. I mean, let's just think about that this morning. I mean, do we, do we ever sit back and maybe life is so busy and crazy, do we feel anything, <laughs> Right? I mean, we're constantly on the go, but he says here, I, when I run, I feel God's pleasure. Little ran in the 1924 Olympics in Paris. He, um, obviously, we, we know the famous thing about Little. He sat out on, on a Sunday's race because he believed that it was the Lord's day. But he also run, ran, and, and he won the 400-meter uh, race in the Olympics there in, in Paris. But, but what I love about little story is, yes, it was about running, and he enjoyed running. It wasn't just fun to him, but he, but he enjoyed feeling the pressure of God. And, and obviously, he said in that movie, he, he loves to win, too. But Little just didn't run a race on a track. The cool thing about Little Story is he also was a missionary. He taught in, in China for, for many years before he would die in uh, an encampment in 1945. And, and, and Little's life really is a great testimony. But that one statement that when I run, I feel God's pleasure. And let me ask this this morning as we think about life, and this morning I want to call us to, to think about life as, as this race that we are called to run, as those who are followers of Christ. When we're living out this race that God has called us to, do we feel the pleasure of God? Now there are some things we do more where we might say, yeah, when I do this, I definitely feel the pleasure of God, but do we experience such? And I want to throw it out this morning that I believe we experience maybe what little experienced and can say what little said when we run like Jesus ran, when we live like Jesus. You see, I think the goal of our freedom, we've been talking about freedom over the last few weeks, is simply to run like Christ ran. Where have we been the last few weeks? If you're new here this morning or maybe you've dropped in town to visit some family members, we have some here that have done that. We've been looking at this idea of living free. You heard Jimmy talk about financial peace, university. We have classes going on Sunday night through Thursday night. Many people uh, dealing with uh, finances and, and asking the Lord, Lord, help us be set free and financially so we can be generous. But over the last few weeks, on Sunday morning, we've been looking at this idea of living free, and it begins with the words of Christ in John 8. You remember, Jesus says, those who believe in me, they, they are free indeed. If you've trusted in Christ this morning, you, you're free from the penalty of sin, which is death, from the power of sin, and this death grip that Satan has on our lives. We're free from that because what Christ has done on the cross and through his resurrection. 
We also saw uh, the next week that uh, to, to live free is to live in the Spirit of God, to walk in the Spirit of God by faith. As we wait for Jesus to come again, when our righteousness will be complete, when we see him, we will be like him. And so we live by the Spirit. We trust God every step of the way as we wait for Christ to return. And our freedom has a mission, that we would love and serve others. And we saw last week that freedom is even lived out in the stresses of life. That even though we're stressed, that we can take refuge and rest in God and experience freedom as God has intended us to experience each day. Stresses will come. And today what I want us to do is I want us to hear, and I believe that the goal of freedom is, is to run like Jesus ran. Is to live like him and to run for him. And so to do that this morning, I want us to look at a very familiar text with some of us in here. We've looked at this text um, sometime in the last couple years as well. But I want us to go back to it in Hebrews chapter 12, 1 through 2. And listen to what the writer says. Matt read this and I want us to read it again. It says, therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author, perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, when I read that, I get this image of like a coach with his team. It's kind of like this, this halftime speech of encouraging his team. Hey, let's, let's get back out there. We've got another half to play. Let's get back out there and, man, maybe we, we haven't been what we should be the first half, but let's, let's get back out there and, man, let's, let's get to it. Man, let's go run this race. And, and that's kind of how I feel. Another old movie, remember Hoosiers with Gene Hatman, kind of his speech to his team. We, we can kind of go there a little bit and, and kind of that feels what the text is kind of doing. It's, it's encouraging and I think rightly so. Because this isn't just a word that the writer is just writing out of the blue. You see, by the Spirit of God, the writer of Hebrews is, is hitting on something because of a need. And, and what's, what's the issue? Well, the issue is this. The, the church that is being written to here, was they were getting old. They were, they were getting on up there. Not only that, they were kind of getting settling in or, or settling into kind of some, some old patterns and, and old ways and to the ways of the world. They were drifting along in their personal lives without focus, without aim, without any seriousness of faith and without any energy. The energy has been sapped out of this local church here. Their hands, we learn in verse 12 and 13 of this chapter, were growing weak and their knees were feeble. Spiritually speaking, they were growing tired. It was easier for this church to kind of meander with the world than to run the marathon of faith, to run like Jesus. And so that's the condition of this church. Uh, to look a little deeper in their issues, look at Hebrews chapter 2. I want us to, to see this this morning in verse 1. The writer says this about the church. He says, for this reason, we must pay closer attention to what we have heard. So what have we heard? The, the message of faith, uh, the truth of God, the, the gospel. And he says, so that we do not drift 
from it. And so this church was struggling. They were drifting away from the truth of God and from the gospel. They were being careless. They were spiritually becoming lazy with the things of God, with the truth of God. And then look at Hebrews chapter 3, just another page over, verse 12 through 13. Listen to what the writer says. He says, take care, brethren, that there not be any of one of you uh, that has an evil or unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. But encourage one another day after day. What, what's happening? Their confidence was fading. Their, their trust and their confidence in Christ and the things of God were fading. And so they're getting close to what? Throwing in the towel. Having their hearts hardened by the lies of sin. Of sin. They were failing to recognize that the stakes were high. And so we've got to take it serious. We've got to take our spiritual lives, our walk with Christ very seriously because everything else hangs on this. And then look at Hebrews 5.12. What else were they struggling with? Why does the writer say what he does in chapter 12? Verse 12 of chapter 5, it says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk again and not solid food. You see, they were failing to move forward in their walk with the Lord. They were failing to progress forward. Now, I mean, we'll be honest, there, there are times in, the, in, the, in our spiritual lives that we get knocked back a couple steps, but, but God intends for us to progress, to move forward in holiness, to move forward in strength, to move forward in wisdom, in courage, and in joy. To go from being a getter to a giver, to go from being one who is taught to being a teacher, one who now is influencing others. And so this call, this command that we read in Hebrews chapter 12 this morning isn't just something that the writer says, oh, this really sounds good. I'm just going to kind of give him a pep talk at this point. No, he puts it in here because they are drifting. Their confidence is sapped. They're not only moving a, full steps, a few steps back, but they're tempted to throw in the towel. They're failing to move forward, and so... He gives them this pep talk so they don't stroll, they don't meander, but instead they run and they run to the finish line. They endure, they persevere because everything hangs on it. And so before we look at this deeper this morning, let me ask the question, do we live that way? Do we live this Christian life running toward the finish line with everything we have, with endurance and perseverance? You see, the call this morning is to get up and to experience the goal of freedom, to run like Jesus ran, to run freely this race of perseverance to the end, to the end. And I don't know about you, but I need this every once in a while. We need that pep talk. We need that kind of look in the eye from the coach of heaven and have him say to us, run, run, run. And so here's what he does. He gives us two motivating forces that are powerful, that are powerful. I mean, I don't know about you, but I need motivation, right? We all need motivation. Our kids need motivation. You can do it. You can hang in there. Keep going, keep going. We need that. We need that. 
And so the first motivation source is this. Look at verse 1. It says, therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance, every sin that entangles us. Let us run. And so before he gets to this command of throwing things to the side, getting rid of things, and uh, running with perseverance, he says this. We have a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us. And so therefore, at the beginning of the text, is there to make us look backwards, right? At Hebrews chapter 11, we have what is called, some call it the hall of faith. It's, it's these saints of old who, who have trusted in God and endured to the end. And so as we seek to run with endurance, we're motivated by these witnesses that have gone before us. And these witnesses, they, they speak to us. Now, before we... You think, well, that's, that's a little odd. That, that they, how are they speaking to us? The lives they live give a testimony, a testimony of a life lived by faith, and that tells us something now. It tells us something today where their lives of faith are still speaking to us today, that as we read about them in the pages of the Bible, they speak hope to, to us. They tell us that by faith we can finish the race too, just as they did. And, and so look at Hebrews 11.4, just to take one for example. It says, by faith, Abel. Remember Abel in Genesis chapter 4? It says that he offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, and through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous, God testifying about his gifts, and through faith, though he is dead, Abel is, he still speaks. And so we look at these witnesses. The oldest witness of all that we would know about is, is Abel. These that have gone before us and we feel as we read about their stories, we believe that we can do just as they did by faith. But it wasn't easy for them. We might be saying, well, hey, they live, they live back in kind of, it wasn't so hard. Well, no, it was, it was, it was very hard. Let's, listen to Hebrews eleven thirty six. Some of these that, that have gone before us. It says they experienced mockings, they experienced scourgings, yes, also chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted, they were put to death with the sore, they went about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, well, uh, ill-treated, men of whom the world was not worthy. What an epitaph that would be, right? Whom the world was not worthy, wandering in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. In spite of that, by faith, they endured to the end. They stuck with it. And so that's what they're speaking to us. So, so here's, here's practically how this looks. Is, man, I, I get up in the morning, and man, I just, I mean, I'm, I'm tired, I'm worn out, and I just slept, right? Anyone ever been there? You're like, I, I thought I slept. Don't feel like it, but I, I thought, and I get up, and I'm weary through the day, and man, I just, I, I don't want to get in the word of God, I, I, and I don't feel like praying, and, and just the day keeps going, but I have to go about, there's stuff on the calendar, the kids got to go hear everything, and, and through the whole day, I'm just like, man, and my faith is sapped, but then the Lord reminds me of a guy like Moses, a lady like Rahab, men and women of faith who endured much, and their testimony, their life speaks into my life. And it says, you can make it. You can keep going by faith. By faith. Stick with it. Keep running. And so, 
what's amazing about this is we're connected to these. Isn't it amazing we're connected to these? Because of our faith, we're connected to them. And look at verse 39 right before it goes to chapter 12. It says, and all these, talking about all these men and women of faith, having gained approval through their faith, the same faith that you and I have, did not receive what was promised yet. Because God had provided something better for us so that apart from us, they would not be made perfect. And basically what he's saying here is the saints of old are still waiting for that final day when their righteousness will culminate in them becoming as Christ is in his glorified body. We also will have our resurrected bodies when he returns um, we will take on those resurrected bodies and be glorified as he is glorified. And we look forward to that and, and we wait for that and they are waiting for that as well. And so it's as though history is waiting until all culminates when the church and the saints of old come together and God makes everything right once and for all. And so it's as though the saints are old are saying, by faith, finish the race. You're almost there. So their testimony is saying this, and I want you, if there's one takeaway that you take away today is, is this statement. Their testimony is saying this, that you can do just as we have done, as they have done, by faith. Remember that. So this really is a command that we have here to, to run this race it's really a command to take a hard look at our life and see, how am I running? How am I running? Am I running just as those before me ran by faith? Because God has given us this great source of motivation. Second source of motivation is Jesus. Look at verse 12, 1 through 2. It's pretty, pretty easy here. Look at this, right? I mean, look at, therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance, the sin which so easily entangles us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. But then it says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author, perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of God, uh, of the throne of God. And so as we run, where are our eyes fixed? On the goal. Our eyes are fixed intently on Jesus Remember, we want to run like him. We want to run for him. So as we run, we must remember that he is the central element, that it is about him, not us, right? I mean, we could easily read this and say, man, I got to get with it. I got to get out there and get with it, right? But we got to remember who is the one working in us and, and through us. It's Jesus, this isn't some willpower thing. This isn't some, hey, muster it together and, and get back out there and get with it. No, it is trust in Jesus. It is depend on him, look at him. It's like Peter, when, when Peter was called out onto the waves of the water, he was called out to fix his eyes on Christ and when he took his eyes off Jesus, what happened? He fell, he fell, he sunk. And so the same thing with you and I is, as we run, our eyes are fixed on Christ. He is the source and foundation of our faith from start to finish. He's the leader. He's the captain. He's the pioneer of our faith. And he did such by enduring the cross, by despising shame. And so he is the author and perfecter of faith by his sufferings that he bore on the cross. 
And he is doing a work in us, and he is perfecting our faith with the desire to bring it unto completion to the day that we reign with him. Now look at this text, just a a page over to the right. I think it's like the the uh, fourth final verse in the chapter. Hebrews 13, 21. Look at this idea that that God is perfecting faith through Jesus in us. And and look look what he says. He says in verse 21, that God is equipping you in every good thing to do his will. So as you read this, read this as saying, this is what God's wanting to do. This is what God desires to do in you. He's equipping you, preparing you in every good thing to do his will. So can we just pause for a second? Maybe when like in life this this huge trial comes and you're like, why? Right? I mean, that's the big ask. Why? Remember this verse. Remember, God is equipping me. God is preparing me. He, he's taken even this trial, this, this point of suffering, this point of grieving or whatever it may be to prepare me, to equip me for everything good so that I will do his will. And then listen to what it says next. Working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. And so he is working in us. He's not just this help that we, we just trust in, that he's going to help us out. No, he is also working in us. He's changing us. He's transforming us to prepare us to be used for him so that we will run as he did and finish the race. But how do we run? Because here's the deal. It's not this duty-bound religion that we walk out of here with again and have this long list and say, I'm going to start doing this and start doing this. No, listen to what he says. He, he endured and sustained the cross by what? By joy, right? For joy, he endured the cross and despised shame. And so just as he did, we're sustained by faith joyfully, right? And not just this thing that that oh, it's something else I got to do. No, he pursued the greatest joy, and that was exalting the Father. And that is what he's saying to us, that as we run, we pursue the greatest joy, and the greatest joy is Jesus. We're fixed our eyes on the greatest joy. It's Jesus. And that helps us understand and know that as we run, that there are going to be times we lose temporary joys on this earth but they pale in comparison to the great gain of being with Jesus one day and seeing him face to face. And so where are our eyes? Where are our eyes? Because that's so huge. What are they on? You see, it's all about perspective. And when we look at Jesus, we see things differently. When we look at Jesus and we see things as he saw things with the eternal perspective, as the God-sized perspective, we see things differently. And so he's our greatest motivator. He's where our eyes need to be. He's our example. He's our leader. And he's telling us by faith, joyfully run, run. But as we run, there's something we need to remember. Look at verse one again, and it's the last thing I wanna pull from this text and help us to see this morning, is not only do we run with endurance, encouraged by those who have run before us 
encouraged, obviously, with our eyes fixed on Christ who has, has made um, and perfected our faith and is continuing to encourage us to run with joy, but we've got to do something. Look at what he says here. We've got to lay aside, he says, every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. You think about a runner. The runner wants as less holding him down as possible, right? He wants to run and he wants to freely run. So it tells us here, we've got to put aside everything that impedes our running. There's sin that does that. There's sin that entangles us, that trips us, us, us up. But there's also these weighing obstacles that we can take on. They may not be necessarily sinful or evil, but they make running and persevering very difficult. And so some things may not seem harmful, but the question is, and I think this is what we've got to ask every day, is does what I'm about to do or what I'm about to put on the calendar or what I'm about to, to purchase or whatever it may be, does it help me run like Jesus? Does it help me run for Jesus? And does it help me run the race of endurance that God has called me to run or am I adding a weight that is, that is impeding me? And so even when we think about our financial stuff, as we're talking about on the evenings, is, is the purchase I'm about to make, is, is this going to weigh me down? Is this going to weigh me down in the endurance, in the enduring race that God has called me to? And we ask that about everything in life. And so what are the things entangling us? What are the things weighing us down? What are the things weakening us? I thought of four. Actually, I thought of a whole bunch more. <laughs> but just to be nice, here's what I did. <laughs> I thought of four to share this morning. Just real quick, things that we've got to lay aside. And some of this comes out of just Hebrews, period. The first thing is this. We've got to lay aside wrong beliefs. I mean, that was the struggle with, with the church in Hebrews, they were drifting away because they weren't clinging to the word of God. And so we've got to pay close attention to what are we believing? Because what can happen is wrong beliefs can weigh our heart down. They can entangle our feet. They can deplete our energy. They can distract our attention. And so, so here's the, the point. You may be sitting out there and you're thinking, man, I, I'm good on this. I've got, man, I've got my doctrine down. I'm, I'm all good. Those are the ones that I would say, if, if you think you're all good and, and you're not sticking to the, you know, reading your Bible daily, read, getting into it daily, I would say, you're a step away from drifting. You're a step away from drifting. Be careful. Because I'm sure these people thought, I'm good, man, I, I got this down, I got, okay, I remember what the apostle said, okay, I remember what's been passed down to our church, I, I got all this, but then the next thing you know, they're, they're drifting. And so we've got to cling to the truth of God's word. We've got to run intently with the word of God as our guide, as our daily appetite, focused on God's truth, trained in it and through it, learning it and putting it into action. Hebrews 5.14 says this, but solid food is for the mature. Mature means this, those who are practicing the truth of God. And listen to this, 
who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. And so this training is constant. It's constant. I mean, think about a runner. He just doesn't think, okay, I just, I, I ran really good today, so I'm going to take a month off, and then when that race comes up, I'm going to get just right out. No, he trains, right? He trains to prepare his body. It's the same thing spiritually. We continually train and practice the truth of God. Why? So our senses will be trained to discern good and evil. Because the race is going on. It's not one of those things where you can just bust out the manual and say, oh, hold on a second, before I decide to make that move there or decide to make that choice, let me just turn here and see what it says. Okay, just a, just a moment. I mean, it just doesn't work that way. We, we gotta train our senses so we live out by faith and practice. But we've gotta train our senses. We've gotta train ourselves. So the second thing is, is huge too. Lay aside self-absorption. That might be the biggest one, right? And we got to get our beliefs right. But then it comes down to if we want to really live and feel the pleasure of God in our soul and run with endurance, we've got to cease to be the focus of our own attention. And so here's the question. What is occupying our minds? And so that if it's us, we've got to call time out, Right? Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, think of these things. Dwell on these things. So if self is occupying our minds, then what can happen is we can forget peace. We can forget contentment. We can forget loving others. And we can forget joy and so on and so on. Because here's the, the news, guys. Our soul, who we are, was not designed to find satisfaction in self. We weren't designed that way. It, it doesn't work. But we were designed to find our satisfaction in God alone. Psalm 107.9 says, For God has satisfied the thirsty soul and the hungry soul. He is filled with what is good. So we never find in ourselves what we are looking for. We won't find it here. We can only find it in fixing our eyes on Christ. Because what happens is self leads to the cycle of self-improvement efforts, of self-indulgence, and on and on and on. But it becomes all about self. But let's be honest, self clings so closely, it's hard to lay this one aside. It is. But we must. That's why Jesus says in Luke 9, 23, that if you want to come after me, if anyone wishes to follow after me, he must do what first? Deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. So we've got to take our eyes off self and put them on Christ. And, and I think the greatest, one of the greatest ways to kind of strike a blow to this too bad we can't strike this, this knockdown, you know, knock you out blow to self. But, but a way to kind of get a blow to this is, is to purposely, intently serve others. To, to, to love and serve others. And that puts the attention off us. And we experience what Jesus says. It's, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And something happens, this is something this week that just hit me. Something happens when we put off and are free from self-absorption, we start recognizing 
the realness of everything. Here's what I mean. C.S. Lewis hit this so well. He says, when we're free from self, we come alive to life. We wake up and we are fully aware when we're free from self. And so I got some help on this. Um, John Piper. Check. All right. Got it. Got it. Okay. All right. He said this, and, and I love this because I was like, okay, well, what does that mean? What, what can I, what does it mean to be, okay, free from self-absorption, but I'm fully aware. What does that mean? So, so here's what he said, and I thought, this is, this is so great. This is so great. He says, it's the realization of when the sun comes up in the morning, you say, he did it again. And you might be thinking, what? But that's revolutionary. Because what do you think, what do you and I think of this morning? We think, I gotta go get, I gotta go do this again. I gotta go do this again. I gotta go do this and do this. But how often do we look and say, wow, he did it again. The sun is up again. That is revolutionary. You might think that, no, that's elementary. No, that's maturity is what that is. That's maturity. You see, we got to lay aside self, and when we do it, it helps us enjoy God's daily gifts and the things that are huge and big, like bringing up the sun, <laughs> start being big and huge again instead of trifle because, oh, that happened yesterday. And so we start really understanding and seeing life as we are supposed to see it when our eyes get off self. Second thing, real quickly, is this. We've gotta lay aside, and this, I just put this one in for me, right? Just to be brutally honest, so being a little selfish here on point number three, is, is lay aside irritability, right? Been a little irritable this week, just to be brutally honest, all right? First Corinthians 13, five says, love does not act unbecomingly, it does not seek its own, is not easily provoked. What does easily provoked mean? It means love is not irritable. It's not irritable. So if for some reason you thought, well, it's okay to be irritable, eh, you're wrong, okay, I'm wrong. Irritability is a heart disease. <laughs> and what does it spring from? Point two, right? Selfishness. It's not righteous to be irritable. You see, we get provoked or we get irritable when? When something we want is denied, delayed, or disrupted. And we give in to irritability, and when we do that, we bring on more weight. We bring on the weight of prideful selfishness. We bring on, eventually, relational conflict. It always comes with it, right? And so can I give you just an example or two? And you're like, no, I already, I, I don't need that, thank you. Um, but let me do it anyway. Um, here's how this works. When I'm weary and tired, I want rest. But when that's denied, delayed, or disrupted, I get irritated, right? You can start filling the blanks with whatever you want. But when I'm disappointed and I want my desire fulfilled, and when that is denied, delayed, or disrupted, I get irritated. And lastly, when I'm enjoying something, I want to continue until I wish to be done, right? When that's denied, delayed, or disrupted, I get irritated. 
I mean, we all get there. And so what do we have to do? We have to stop. We have to turn from that type of behavior. We have to trust God and his promises and we've got to obey this idea of God. got to lay aside irritability because that is not loving. And then fourth and final, we've got to lay aside sluggishness, right? It's that feeling of, I don't feel like it, right? That's not just for 12-year-olds, okay? Or 10-year-olds. <laughs> I saw some heads turn, right? Sluggishness is that losing heart. It's that half-heartedness. But here's the thing. Sluggishness always preludes quitting. It always comes before throwing in the towel. And here's what Hebrews 6, 11 through 12 says, and then we'll wrap it up. He says, we desire that each one of you show the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope until the end. Keyword diligence. So that you will not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. We're diligent. We keep going. We can't tolerate sluggishness. Why? Because we have hope. We have hope because of Christ. We've had the race. We've had the running. We've had it imitated for us by the saints of old. We've had it imitated for us by Jesus. It's a long faith race. It's got hard heels that's going to hurt the thighs. It will hurt. We have tough encounters, moments that stink, but by faith, we got to throw off sluggishness. we got to throw off the feeling, I don't feel like it anymore. And we got to keep going. we got to keep going by faith. So today, as we're done, Jesus endured the cross. He despised shame for the glory of God. Why? So we could run with endurance to the end, this race that he has set before us. Did you get that? He has set before us a race, meaning he has purpose for us. And Jesus died so we could get in the race. Are you in the race this morning? If not, I want you to know the entry, free, the entry fee, it's free. He purchased it. He paid in full with his life. All we've got to do is believe. Believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died and rose again, and that in him alone you can have eternal life, freedom from sin, from sin's penalty and power. And then once you're in the race, you can run like him. So I pray today that you would trust Christ and church that we would run like him and that we would endure to the end. Let's pray.